Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. Hey everyone and welcome to the What I Wish I Knew podcast by Dental Head Start. Wouldn't it be easier if we never had to talk about money in dentistry? Those of us in private practice know how uncomfortable and awkward the subject of money is. We graduate with very, very little training on how to um, confidently you know, discuss this subject around cost of treatment, around money affordability, because it's now not just about the very clinical and academic aspect of diagnosis and treatment planning. Now it's more about the patients and what's affordable and realistic for them. And dentistry is expensive for for the vast majority of people. And suddenly you can go from putting your clinical hat on to then talking about something far more personal to the patient, which is around the subject of money and affordability. It can bring about feelings of um, awkwardness and embarrassment, maybe shame. Sam Coe, who is a fantastic speaker, I've heard him speak on many occasions around uh, the subject of communication and particularly around discussing money and fees confidently in practice. He shares with us some really, really good tips around talking about money with confidence. And, you know, most of it is around your mindset, around your own projections and biases and convictions around money. And he really challenges these notions we, we have about money so that we can quote with confidence and get that informed consent that we need. So Sam starts off by telling us why we find it so awkward and uncomfortable, why we fear talking about money. I actually think a lot of it in terms of talking about money is the fact that we actually don't value ourselves enough when we graduate. We don't value our profession we don't um, value our skills. We don't value our actual education enough. Um, but we'll get back to that later. So that's that's kind of part of the reason why I feel as though we fear talking about money. Coming back to some specific examples, I literally had one yesterday and I literally had one the day before that. I have these examples every day and it can vary from literally telling someone that a clean is a couple hundred dollars. Um, compared to, you know, the fact that um, the all-on-four or the all-on-X implants are going to cost, you know, 50000 plus or whatever. Um, it is not something that you ever kind of get 100% complacent or used to. Um, and I don't want people to feel as though after the first few years you can just very easily talk about money. It just comes off, you know, the top of your head straight away. But it definitely gets easier. It definitely gets a little bit more uh, comfortable, is, I think, is that the right word, word to say? Um, but it never becomes 100%, you know, the easiest thing to do and you just do it as a no-brainer and don't have to worry about it whatsoever. You, you kind of have to almost force yourself to learn it. Um, and for that reason, you know, like it, I've just got too many examples. It happens to me every single day. So, Sam, what are some of the mindset factors 
that we sort of inherit in, in dental school or inherit from our own um, cultural upbringing perhaps that really need to be challenged when we're out there in the private practice world and need to be talking about money confidently with our patients. Yeah. I mean, like, first of all, getting back to what I said before, um, I think we go through this university system in the public system as well. We never have to ever talk about money. We just say you need a root canal here or you need this tooth out. Um, and we've never really come out and, and actually had to tell patient that, you know what, if you want this done, then this is a service, this is a product, you have to pay X amount. And I guess to some people it might be a little bit easier if they come from maybe a retail background. Um, but knowing a lot of my fellow peers, they, they went through university not having a part-time job or a full-time job at all. And all of a sudden you're thrown in the deep end four to five years later and someone's asking you to basically sell a product and sell a service. And this is a word that I'm really not hesitant using and, and you've heard me use this word before, but one of the, the mindset things that you need to get over is, you know what, in dentistry, we need to sell stuff. And I'm not going to pussyfoot around with, with this word. I mean, you sometimes need to even sell a clean to a patient. Some patients come in and go, oh, no, no I don't want a clean, thanks. Like every six months is too much, too sensitive. And you need to basically put your foot down as a health professional who knows what's best for that patient and you need to basically try to get over that mindset that you are uh, just the patient's kind of uh, friend or you're, you're basically um, there as a – Trusted guardian. Yeah, as, as like an equal. Like advisor. Or, as a, just an advisor to the patient. You need to basically get over that and realise that you are the health professional that the patient has come to seek advice from and treatment from. And you've spent all that time, all that money in uni and in high school – to reach this point, it doesn't matter that you're first or second year out or whatever. It could be 10 years out. It could be 20 years out. Someone has come to you and they actually want to pay you for the service of helping them better their oral health. So get over that first. Second of all, understand the fact that you need to basically learn how to sell dentistry because you at the end of the day have learned dentistry for four to five years. You're practicing for however many years you've been practicing you have to understand or you, you need to realize that you know what's best or you should know what's best. So whatever comes out of your mouth basically should almost be gospel. It should, it should literally be the word or it should be basically scientifically backed evidence or proof that the patient needs to do something, right? Obviously, you know, our, our philosophy and, and what we're taught in, in medical and dental sciences is do no harm. But at the end of the day, a lot of that means – actually doing the opposite of what you may feel as though you're doing and it means you actually have to sell something that you know is the best thing for the patient whether or not it's to get them to do a filling to get them to do a crown you know some people will go oh you're money hungry you're you're literally trying to sell crowns here and there or you're trying to sell implants here or there but then you have to reverse that question and ask yourself is this the best thing for the patient in my professional opinion and if your professional opinion after dental school and the years that you've been, you know, working is that, yes, the implant is the best thing for the patient, it doesn't matter that it's 10 times more expensive than a filling or to leave that gap alone or to take the tooth out, right, and leave nothing there or give them a denture, that should be the right treatment that you offer or that should be the, the treatment that you are prepared to sell to the patient, right? You need to understand that basically if they are um, – I guess asking you for your professional opinion as to what the best treatment is, 
cost should not be a factor all right when you deliver that that to the patient so if you in your heart know that or professional opinion know that that more expensive treatment is the better option then you need to basically own it and not take the ownership or the guardianship or the blame of that cost of the treatment or the fact that the the patient has actually arrived to that stage in their oral hygiene or condition that has led them to need that tooth out or the implant or the crown, okay? So the last point is don't own the patient's problem. And I know you hear about that a lot in communication webinars and talks and possibly even in dental school, but this is like very, very simple. You are not that patient. Like, you know, that patient chose or was taught or always has learned to brush only once a day or they don't floss or they didn't come to the dentist every six months or they didn't do that filling before it got bigger, right? They didn't do that root canal and it led to that infection and now all the the bone has been kind of like melted away from the infection. Is that your problem? No, but it is your problem to offer the best solution to fix it. So the last point I want to make is the mindset you need to have is once you basically have diagnosed what the actual condition or the problem is, do not own the patient's problem. Sell it with authority. So basically tell them exactly what they need to do. Don't be shy of the cost of the treatment involved and literally don't let emotions get in the way and the patients to basically allow you or force you to own their problem as well. It's 2021. We're used to cloud-based software enhancing every aspect of our lives. But what about something we use every day, our dental practice management software? Imagine something rethought from the ground up, designed for intuitiveness, leveraging what's possible in today's technology. Something that optimizes our daily workflows and does what modern dentists need to stay competitive and connected. Principal practice management software is this, intelligent, efficient, and intuitive, because it's 2021 and you can expect something more. Go to principal.dental to learn more. How do you, let's say you've got a patient in the chair, they're new, you've diagnosed uh, a few things, they might need a root canal and a crown, potentially an implant. How do you deliver um, a treatment plan and where and how do you quote and discuss the fees? Do you have any practical advice around that? Yeah, and, and a lot of the practical advice I learned from you, Chidham. So, so just to turn the tables around, you know, like um, one, of the, one of the things I learned from you over the years is don't talk about their oral condition or don't talk about the solution step by step or don't talk to them as individual treatments. So, for instance, you know, getting to the example that you always give, if a patient needs a root canal and we know that, you know, there's, it's, a, it's a highly broken down tooth or there's a massive filling there, don't quote them for the root canal and the crown separately, you know. At the end of the day, you know that the crown needs to be done. It's part of the treatment. So why not bundle it? Why not group them together and say, for this tooth, this is exactly what you need and this is the total cost. Don't break it down and say the root canal is going to be 2000 and then the crown is going to be another 2000 you literally just say it's the this total treatment for this tooth to get this tooth back to optimal health is going to be 4000 So that's one of the things I learned from you. Um, the next thing that I always do is, and this is something I learned from my pharmacy days, is you don't want to overload the patient with too much information. So there's, um, there's a lot of studies in pharmacy, especially in regards to compliance and patient recall. Um, and one of the rules basically is that 
patients only really will remember or walk away with three main points. Um, and we've talked about this in some of the communication lectures that we've uh, presented together. And at the end of the day, you want to try to bundle or group things as much as possible together. So coming back to my original point, don't just say, oh, you need a filling on the top left or you need a filling on the bottom right um, or you need this done on this particular tooth. Group them together. So basically say, I'm really sorry, Chidham, but looking at your x-rays now, it looks like we need about 10 fillings done, right? It's better than saying you need two on the top left, two on the top right, four on the bottom right, and four on the bottom left, right? Yeah, group that's the slow Band-Aid removal. <laughs> yeah, just rip it off. Just rip that Band-Aid off and tell them exactly what needs to, to happen. At the same time, you know, I don't like to kind of drip feed them the treatment plan info or like the costing info, I like to basically do it all together at the end of the visit. So basically I've done my examination, I've done um, my x-rays, I've done whatever I need to do to diagnose the issues and then I'll literally sit them up. So I never lie them down. I'll sit them up um, with, with literally eye to eye and then I really take a note of my body language. Um, so I make sure I don't have my arms crossed. I make sure I'm not twiddling my pen because I'm nervous. Um, and I make sure I really take a note of exactly how I'm speaking. So no ums, no ahs, uh, no fast talking. Um, basically a lot of very reassured words coming out of my mouth. So then I actually will then come across as, as assured of what I need to tell them. Um, and then when I'm presenting that treatment plan, I basically will print out the complete treatment plan. Um, and then I'll, I'll group that all together to basically say, look, this is what we need to do. This is basically the, the most important thing that we need to look at doing. And then let's slowly work our way down that list to the least important. I know this is where you want to get to, or this is the goal that you want to reach, but this is how we're going to get there. So kind of give them an end goal in mind, if that makes sense. So rather than basically saying, oh, we need to fill, do these fillings, we need to do this root canal, we need to you know, take this tooth out. Give them the specific goal to work towards. And I know I'm very, I'm, I'm giving you a very broad answer here, but every case is, I guess, a bit different. But the main point I'm, I'm trying to get is come up with an end goal in mind. So is it to basically keep their teeth, right? Try to retain their, all their teeth the rest of their life. So that would include your periodontal maintenance and basically, you know, not trying to um, get the fillings to become as large next time or crowning over really compromised teeth. Um, or is it the fact that they want to improve their cosmetics? So they might come in wanting 10 veneers, right? Um, but to get there, we need to do these fillings. We need to do some periodontal treatment. Um, we need to put an implant or something there. But have that main goal and make it well known that that is our main goal to work towards. And then there are just these little things that we need to tick off to actually get to the end goal. Uh, do you find that a lot of dentists make the assumption that, patients only want to do the bare minimum or how do you gauge whether or not you can have that conversation with a patient without coming across as salesy? Yeah, that was actually 100% the, the one word I was going to use, you know, don't assume anything. So don't make any assumptions. You literally go in there and present the best treatment plan to, no matter what the fees are. Okay, so, so deep down as a dental professional, you should be basically advising the patient for the best outcome or the best optimal health so to answer that question directly right to the point go in there and literally present the best treatment option all right so you shouldn't be compromising on your treatment plan if you think that this needs to be done that should be the, the option that should be taken 
And at the end of the day, if the patient doesn't accept it, that's when you then start talking about alternative options and weighing out the pros and cons as to why that is not the most ideal option. And then trying to work your way around that and figure out what is going to work within their budget, their timeframe, their philosophy. Initially, though, um, again, to answer your question in a more roundabout way, is I use a lot of key markers um, throughout the whole visit um, as to kind of gauging what I may or may not offer or what I may or may not want to include when I discuss things with them. And that's as simple as literally putting a few different sentences in the medical histories, right? So we, for instance, actually prompt patients to actually tell us what's important to them on the medical histories. So we ask them questions such as, you know, what is your main concern or what do you rate your smile or what do you not like about your smile or how do we get your smile, you know, to a 10 out of 10? And, you know, initially that's what's going to prompt me to having an initial chat with them when they when they walk through the door. Um, and then you kind of get a sense engaged when they sit down and have that initial chat with them too. You know, you ask them very open-ended questions. Um, you try to gauge their dental history. You kind of gauge their social history. Um, and, and that all kind of then formulates in your mind a, a little bit about the patient already and what they may or may not be assuming they may want to do. And bear in mind, this is 100% not... Um, going to be 100% the way that you then would interact with the patient. Like I, I don't want people to feel as though, okay, once you've made up your mind as to what sort of patient that patient is, then you don't offer the top treatment plan. You don't offer implants. You don't offer crowns and veneers. You just go straight to the, the fillings and that's what you offer. You still need to, at the end of the day, like I said, present the best treatment plan. But with all those things that you do in the background from the first time you meet and greet the patient to when you're discussing things with them um, in the chair and doing the examination, that may or may not actually then help or implement you to then word your treatment options in a way that they may understand better and may then formulate a better idea or appreciation and accept a particular option of that treatment plan. I don't know if that makes sense, yes. actually. Yeah. yeah, so you're basically um, reading them in a way that you can customise the conversation around what you understand is their motivations and their goals. And also, at the end of the day, point blank, when I sit them up, one of the first questions I actually ask them after a full checkup and, and examination is I basically say, okay, look, Mrs Smith, there's actually a bit in there that we need to talk about. Before I do so, there are many ways to skin this cat. I need to know exactly what is your end goal? What would you like to achieve after coming here today? Like, what would you want to do? Do you want to actually make your teeth look prettier? Does this crooked tooth bother you? Does this um, hole here or gap here or discoloration bother you? So I would actually firstly ask them a really broad question as in terms of what are their goals or what would they like to do? But like you said, some patients just don't know what they want. They they come in the, and they feel as though over the years dentists have forced things down their throat and told them, you know, that things can't be done or, oh, no, you just need this feeling or watch this, right? Don't be that dentist. Don't be the next dentist in the line that literally forces them in your own opinion. Why don't you be the dentist that literally asks them a very open-ended question and say, hey, what do you not like about this or do you want to fix this? And then, and then after that open-ended question, if they don't say much, then give them a mirror and literally point to things. Like if you know something's wrong there, if you if there's like if there's a crack there or if there's a chip there, and you've taken the photos, show them, show them in the mirror, show them in the photos, and go, does this discolored tooth bother you? 
Does this gum bother you? Does this wear bother you? Does this crookedness bother you? And literally, don't be afraid to kind of point and stare at things and, and ask them point blank, does this bother you? And if it doesn't, that's fine. Like if it's a cosmetic issue, each to their own. It doesn't matter. Like don't don't stress if someone likes their crooked tooth, they, they like their crooked tooth. Um, but you've brought that up. You've done the ethical thing, brought that up. It's not a sell. You've brought up exactly what is in their mouth and then you've provided them options if they want to fix it. And if they don't want to fix it, note it on the treatment records to perhaps bring it up again as just kind of like a, a gesture of, of, you know, completeness to make sure that, you know, it's still something that they don't want to fix. Sorry to interrupt, but how do you make the most out of your CPD? I think the first step is to make sure you've chosen the right CPD. And how do you know that unless you've seen it all? cpdjunkie.com.au is made so that all of the dental CPD in Australia and New Zealand is in the one place. We've got all of the webinars, all of the live courses coming up on the website, easy to find and easy to filter. And the second step, well, it's all in the free ebook on their website, cpdjunkie.com.au, the home of Australian dental CPD. Thank you for supporting dental students and graduates and thank you for supporting the Dental Head Start podcast. I think there's lots of lots of takeaways there. Um, if I can just summarise, um, number one in terms of mindset, absolutely value yourself and your skills. You went through four or five years of dental school, sometimes more, and developed a very unique skill. So we do have to... Um, value that first and foremost. Number two, we want to simplify things. We want to communicate in a way that um, keeps things as easy to understand as possible, bundling treatments where possible, um, bearing in mind that most patients don't um, absorb more than three main messages from us and being careful not to overwhelm them. Watching our our body language, our positioning, our seating, our eye contact um, and our confidence when we're speaking to them, making sure we're not talking about money while they're reclined. I've, I think I've seen that a few times. As you said, don't make assumptions about what they can or can't afford. No one is, It's. I think well, the most unethical thing would be to deny someone the best option exactly. based on your um, opinion. Um, and, and the final thing, I think this is lumped into one sort of main piece of advice, but ask questions, whether it's in your medical history forms or small prompts, you're asking from a place of curiosity so you can better tailor a plan to your patients. And um, and all of, I think you can't, can't talk about money without talking about communication factors around discussing treatment and treatment planning. But I think all of that tied together on top of, sorry, a huge one, which is do not own the problem and do not own the solution. I think that can help a lot of people um, start overcoming this fear of discussing money. Yeah. And um, look, just one last thing I want to add quickly is if you're afraid of talking about money, start literally practicing. I know it sounds stupid, but literally get some friends and family and literally start talking about money. Um, you know, it's it's a very hard topic to talk about just in the in normal circumstances at best of time. So get out there and literally just practice your spiel, practice talking about money and treatment plans with, with friends and family. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. 
So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.